We're going to get into God's Word here this morning. And I'm excited we're going to begin a new series here today that, that I believe that God really wants to speak to us. Uh, I want you to think about this question here. If I were to ask you what success is, how would you define it? Okay, now I promise you this, okay, go ahead and I, I want you to maybe write down a, a word or a sentence uh, that would describe what success is to you. And I promise you this, that by the end of the service, if I was to go ahead and, and maybe, maybe you're here and you don't want to write right now, that's okay. You just say, I want to listen to you, Pastor Mike. I'm not in the mood for writing. But I've got the thought, I've got a phrase, I've got a sentence, what success means to you. And and for everybody, I mean, we have literally everyone, I believe there'd be different definitions and words attached to that and how you would describe it. But also when you think of success, what is the process that's needed to obtain that success that you're thinking about? Now, I was looking at some pithy, uh, cool statements about people that wrote about success, that were successful in their fields, in their line of work, and in their careers. And they shared some thoughts on these. And and, and, and you'll see some of the pictures of them. And I, I want to tell you, these are not necessarily godly people. Don't be offended by this. But I found some interesting things. Uh, Bill Cosby said this. He says, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everybody. So those who would, would be leaders, pastors, or whatever of an organization, if you want to be a leader, I promise you this, you cannot please everybody, as hard as you may try. Uh, Booker T. Washington, he says, I've learned that success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. Good word, Booker. Uh, and then the first billionaire, I remember hearing his word, his name bantered around when I was a little kid. And maybe some of you remember this name. His name was John Paul Getty. He says, formula for success, rise early, work hard, and strike oil. Okay. Uh, then Malcolm X uh, said this, if you have no critics, you'll likely have no success. And then one of our presidents, Theodore Roosevelt, said the most single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. Great word. And then this guy by the name of Bob Dylan. How many remember Bob Dylan? Okay. He says, what's money? A man is a success if he gets up in the morning and goes to bed at night and in between does what he wants to do. And then the legendary coach, Vince Lombardi, said, winning is not everything. Come on, guys. What is it? It's the only thing. Okay. Uh, so I, I was thinking about uh, success, and I was thinking about uh, how we make an impact in a world. And I want to take you to a verse uh, that really kind of spurred this series on that we're going to be going through here in the next few weeks. Uh, it was a verse that I came across uh, uh, that comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 52. 
It was the verse that that was impressed upon me when I was going through the process of becoming an ordained pastor. In the assemblies of God, the process of becoming a pastoral leader is your license first. And then after you become licensed, I mean, you've had to do some schooling, some coursework, and and you have to be in agreement with the Assembly of God doctrine, and, and then uh, you become licensed. And then after being in a ministry for two years, and there is a recognition that God's hand is on your life, and he, he's working through you, uh, there, there's what they call a, an ordination process. And I remember... Uh, when I went through the ordination process, I had been a pastor for about five years. I've been a youth pastor and uh, then went to our district. And uh, and the, the guys that were going through the ordination uh, process, uh, we, we, we were going through school. There was teaching, preaching, whatever. But there was a man there by the name of Paul. I forgot his last name, but he was an elderly pastor, uh, very wise man, very godly man. And I remember... He, 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 he broke down Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Can we, can we go ahead and get that up there? Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And, uh, and, and this, was, this was the theme that he, that he was taking the pastors through. And he says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And it was fascinating. It was powerful. I mean, he just unpacked this and, and spent five days on this verse and, and the implications behind this. And uh, one of the things he, I remember he told, he says that Jesus, yes, he was unique, but Jesus had a normal childhood. Okay, We know that he was 100% God, and yet he was 100% man, thus making him unique. And he went through the same progression that you and I went through, okay? He burped, okay? He grew physically, he grew mentally, he grew relationally with God and with people. Jesus had lived a, a balanced life. And a full human life is not unbalanced. And it was important to Jesus, okay, to go ahead and to grow in these areas, in wisdom and in stature, talking about his body. And, and it was important to him, and I believe it should be important to all of us to be developing physically, emotionally, okay, in our soul, socially, but especially spiritually, uh, and which a lot of times that's what the church focuses on because that is what's going to last forever, our spirit. These bodies we know are passing away, but yet in the midst of this, God has given us a body. We're to be good stewards and managers of his body. Do you believe that? You can say amen. Okay, for the rest of you, go ahead and have a 12-pack of Coke then after the service. All right, no, don't do that. So, but I was looking at this verse. What caused Jesus to have favor with people and God? Go with me back to the same chapter. Go up a couple verses in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40. It says, And the child grew and became strong. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And it says the child grew. Okay, I want you to underline that there in your Bible. The child grew and became strong. Talking about stature, talking about physically, right there. He's growing. He's progressing, okay? And uh, we were talking about that here this morning. I was getting the, the boys ready uh, here, my, my, my uh, 
the two boys that we adopted and give them a shower and, and we, we all took a shower together. And dad, and he said, dad, why are you so big? You know, and I said, well, I said, when you're about 18 to 20 years old, that's about as tall as you're going to get. I says, but there's another way to go ahead and get big. I says, if you eat right, and I says, if you get enough sleep and you work out, you can get big muscles like your brother Mike and maybe like your dad. And, uh, and so here today, I want you to underline this word grow. Could you, could you honestly ask yourself in this area, am I growing, okay, spiritually? Am I growing emotionally? Am I growing in my relationships with other people? What caused Jesus to grow in favor with God and man? We know that, that it says that he was filled with wisdom. I would, I would, I would tell you this. I would encourage you as your pastor, one of the prayers that, that I would be praying about if I was you, which I pray a lot about, God, would you fill me with your wisdom? How many would understand that God's wisdom is better than man's wisdom? God, fill me with your wisdom. And then here's the other one. And it says, the grace of God was on him. And I pray about this and I say, God, I know I don't deserve it, but Lord, I ask for your favor. Grace is unmerited favor. Lord, I ask for your favor to be upon me today. Not just tomorrow, but today. God has enough grace for you today to do what he's called you to do. So I, but as I was thinking about this, looking at success, I put out another question here. It is, what is it that leads to a satisfying and successful and impactful life? What leads to a successful life? What leads to a satisfying life? What leads to a life that truly makes a difference while you're here on earth? And I want you to write down this, okay? Make sure that you and I are pursuing the right thing. The world and the enemy of our soul would have us pursuing things that would not be of God. And what's the area, what's the right thing to pursue that leads to success, that leads to satisfaction, that leads to impact? In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, this is Solomon. This, is, this was a, a guy who was a king. And God's favor, God's hand was upon his life. But I want you to, when you read this book, Ecclesiastes, this is written from a viewpoint of a man who really had lost his connection with God. This guy, okay, was considered the wisest man in the world. Not only was he the wisest, but he was the wealthiest. And when you look at the whole, and I want to encourage you to read this book because Solomon went in full blast. I mean, he, he went to the umph degree to experience pleasure, okay? Uh, he had popularity. He had fame, power, and wisdom. He had it all. And he says here in, in verse uh, 2, he says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utter meaningless, everything is meaningless. And that verse right there is repeated throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. What happened? This guy who was in the world's eyes super successful, here uh, Solomon is empty. He says, it's not counting. He says, my life absolutely stink. Even though I'm popular, I'm powerful, I have money, I've had all this pleasure I've, that money can buy, and, I, and I'm empty. He lost his connection with God. Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what good will it be for someone to gain 
the whole world, yet forfeit their soul. Jesus is saying, he says, you may reach all of your goals. You may accomplish what you want to accomplish there in life. But in the process, you don't take care of your soul at the end of the day. Jesus calls it failure. So what's the right thing? What's the right area to pursue that leads to success, satisfaction, impact? In fact, those questions right there. Uh, this, there's something deep inside of us. All of us want to make a difference here while we're here on earth. We don't want to just kind of go through and just say, you know, I didn't make a difference. No, we want to make a difference in someone else's life. We want our life to have counted and make it make an impact. What what leads to satisfaction on the inside? What happens? What is it? I want to take you to one of my favorite scriptures in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. It says this, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Now, what I want to do here this morning is I kind of want to go ahead and I know many of you are thinking, okay, this is what success is and this is how you get there. And I want to kind of take you from a biblical standpoint and a viewpoint of what success looks like, what satisfaction looks like. In fact, another translation puts it this way. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver and gold. So here the guy that, that had backslidden when he was walking with God and he has an insight. He says, you know what? When, when it really comes down to it, the best thing in life is to have a good name, to have a good reputation. And the question is, what brings a good name or a good reputation? Check this out. You and I have a reputation. You and I, we're known for certain things in our life. And here it is. What brings a good name? What brings a good re- reputation? It's called character. Okay? We're going to be looking at this, 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 this word character, noble character, over the next couple of weeks. And I want you to write down this word here. The English word for character comes from the Latin root word, which means engraved. God wants to engrave into your heart, into your mind, into your body, everything about it. He wants to engrave His image and His life through you. Mark Rutland, in his book called Character Matters, wrote this. He says, A life like a block of granite, carved upon with care, or hacked at with reckless disregard, will at the end be either a masterpiece or a marred rubble. He's saying we're making uh, our, our reputation, our life, okay, is being engraved right now. And how we live our life will either be a masterpiece or a marred piece of rubble. Another man said this, regard your good name as the richest jewel you can possibly possess. I don't know about you, but uh, but my name, okay, and who I'm attached to means a whole lot to me, okay? It is absolutely huge to me, okay? What, I mean, my name and, and, and what's attached to that, and, and I pray that this will get into your heart. And I want to bring up to you a couple of other names, and I want you to just... Uh, think of what comes to your mind when you hear these names. I'm going to take you through some names of some famous people. 
Let me take you through some presidents' names and what comes to your, your mind. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton. How about the entertainers? Elvis, Frank Sinatra, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Justin Bieber, Beyonce. How about some sports guys? Lance Armstrong, Pete Rose, Tim Tebow, yes. Okay, <clears throat> how about some business guys? Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison. How about some generals? General George Patton, Norman Schwarzkopf. How about some spiritual people? Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, Paul the Apostle. These are all people that had reputations, whether good or bad. And this morning, I just want to take you through a couple of things. And we're just going to kind of go ahead this morning. We're going to kind of break open the box. And we're going to talk about some things about character and talk about our reputation and our name. And we're going to go into some, some very specific things uh, over the next couple of weeks. What, what your character and what your name will do, okay? I want you to go ahead and write these things down. And then we're going to pray about these here this morning. Number one. Your name and your character will instill confidence and peace in others. Okay? The people that you live with, your friends, and, and people maybe that you do business with or people that do business with you, it will instill confidence and peace in others. Okay? This, this, this is in the area of husband and wife. Uh, son and daughter, uh, mom and dad. Uh, this all comes in, in, into a place to where that when we're around that, that, that person that, that has a good reputation, a good name, it instills confidence and peace in others. Uh, uh, we've been here almost 14 years, uh, and it took us about nine years uh, to find a, a good mechanic uh, that... Now, I don't know if anybody here can relate to this, but to find a, a mechanic that, that could do two things, that was competent, that was good, but not only good, but was also uh, trustworthy. And uh, it, I mean, we went through the years a series of different mechanics, different places, to, to, and finally we, we found a place there on 200 at... And uh, it was just a wonderful place. In fact, it was where our church had been located at one time. Before we were here, we were, we were over at a place called Roberts Automotive. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it was there. Someone told me, I said, hey, it's really a good place. They're good. And you could trust them. And, and that person that shared it with me, okay, was a person that I knew, that I trusted. And I brought my car in and... Numbers of times, and not only were they able to fix it, but uh, they, they, how many know a mechanic, they can just absolutely hose you. I mean, I mean, you don't know anything. I mean, you're at their mercy. And, uh, and, and just many a times I said, you know, this is an easy fix. It's not what you thought it might be. And I go, ooh, it, it, we didn't have much money at that time. And, and now, I mean, uh, the owner of that has since uh, this past year has passed away. And then his other ace mechanic left the place. And now we're back to the place, okay, where is a good mechanic, okay, and place to go ahead 
and take your car, okay, to get it fixed. So if anybody's got a name here, okay, let me know after the service because I know this. When I'm dealing with someone and and they have a reputation, okay, that they're trustworthy as well as good, okay. By the way, when it comes to business, uh, when it comes to uh, a Christian and a non-Christian and uh and it's a, we'll say it, it, it's a it's a mechanic or a roofer and and they're equal in ability. Well, I, I naturally want to bless uh, the the brother or whatever that that loves God, knows God, and give him my business. But if it comes down to okay, Christian, and he's okay, and the other guy is absolutely fabulous, I'm going with the one that it is that that is good, that has the ability. I want you to go to a verse in Proverbs 25, 19. We're going to go ahead and, and put that there on the screen. It says, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. And can I tell you, my car is in a time of trouble. So like I said, I, I, I need some help here after the service. If you got some help, we got some issues that we got to go ahead and deal with. So number one. Your reputation will help put people at ease. They'll be able to relax around you, okay? This goes in your relationships, okay? For those who are, uh, are kids and you, you, you're, uh, it just takes, it takes maybe once or twice when you lie to your parents. I can't tell you what, 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 what happens right there and, uh, it's when, when, when the when the walls are erected of non-trust. I mean, parents don't want to be there. Parents want. Come on, parents. Amen. You want to trust your kids, right? Amen. Okay. So we're going to be dealing with that. So okay, give your parents peace of mind. Okay, tell the truth. Number two, what will your name and your character do? It will bring promotion in your life. Luke chapter nineteen. Jesus talks about a parable. And while they were listening, verse 11, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. And so he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. He said, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was mean king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. And the first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good Servant, he replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. What happens when a person is filled with God's character? When that has engraved in their life the characteristics of Jesus Christ, the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. It brings promotion in your life. The pastors here that are on staff that serve before you, every single one of them 
have proved to be men, okay, as well as women of character. These were people who were faithful in the small things, were faithful, okay, could be relied upon that. And then more was given to them. And then more was given to them. And I would say this to you and I, when you and I walk in the area of character and, and we're looking for promotion, when we're steady, when we're consistent in an area, we set ourselves up for success to move up the ladder. So we're, we're trusted. And so I want to encourage you here this morning. You, you want to move up the ladder? You see this just in the business world, in any area, not only to be competent, okay, but to be a person of character, integrity on the inside and watch God begin to promote you. Number three, what does it do? Others are inspired to follow you and to reach their potential. Others will be inspired to follow you and those others that follow you, then they can go ahead and reach their potential as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul the Apostle is writing to one of his, his, his disciples, one of the people that he had mentored. And here he's, he's writing to a man who's kind of a little bit shaken. He's gone through some hard times. He's young. And he's leading, okay, I want you to understand, he's leading the largest church in the area. It's a mega church. And Timothy is young. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, he says, don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. He says, but set an example for the believers in your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. And here, he had heeded those words. And, and we know that he went on to go ahead and pastor and to lead one of the greatest areas there in Corinth. I mean, it was exploding. But back in those times, remember, what was king? What, was, what ruled the day? It was people that had gray hair. Those who were older were considered the wise ones, okay? And, uh, and those who were younger, you didn't earn the right to be a leader, but Paul had recognized that, that, that Timothy had an anointing on his life. He had a gift. He had an ability. But he says, listen, he says, the only thing that's going to help you to overcome those who are older than you, that may be looking down on you because you don't have gray hair, he says, you have to set an example. The power of example will overcome. Paul recognized, he says, a life that's well lived, with, with good faith, with love and character, he says, it will win the day at the end. And I would say this, in the ministry, those who are in leadership have been in the ministry now going on 30 years. And I have seen many of men who are ultra gifted and talented. I mean, gift lights out preachers and speakers. But something on the inside, okay, I mean, the talent, the giftedness was there, but the character wasn't. The character could not sustain them through the seasons of life and difficulty, okay, and temptations. And we're going to look at it because you can be successful for a season, but how about making it to the very end? And we're going to take a look at that here in a moment. So I, I know this, that when you and I make a determination, I'm going to be an example. Uh, the, this morning we had our little boys with us. 
in the service. And uh, Samuel, my oldest adopted one, he's seven years old. I mean, he watches me. He does everything that I do. And I, and I was I was there just kind of kneeling on the floor and I was just worshiping the Lord. I was in the back. Uh, June was up here uh, uh, in the front and, and leading in, in worship here this morning. And uh, here he is. And, I, and I'm just on my knees and I, I'm just worshiping and, and, and praising God. And the next thing, and I got my eyes closed and he's right next to me. And he's on his knees and, 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 and doing exactly what I do. And, and I want to tell you something. It puts the fear of God in me. Because if I'm doing that, I mean, what about if I start to do bad, okay? It has tremendous implications one way or the other. So you say, well, set an example. I'm not a leader. I'm not a pastor. No, but when a person becomes a person of character and example, you have major impact in other people's lives. People are watching you. People are listening to you. So the question is, how do you get that good name? How do you get that character? But I want to take you to another thing because the Bible really addresses character. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, He has bestowed on us His precious and very great promises. For this reason, supply with your faith excellence of character and with excellence of character... He talks about another different things to add into our life. So the Bible is very specific that we are to be growing in our character. And so we're going to be looking at some character traits and, and virtues over the next couple of weeks. But what is it? I want to talk to you just about one thing. Take just a few moments. How do you really get that good character? How do you, how do you make that name to where it will bring glory to God? Okay, it will make impact into other people's lives. Will will bring satisfaction to your soul. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Here it is. Underline these words. Some of your translations puts remain. Abide or remain in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Here's the principle that I just want to want you to begin to, the takeaway thought here today. That if I'm going to have a, a life of character, if I'm going to have something engraved in my life, it's going to be a beautiful work of art, where I'm going to truly make a difference in life. I'm going to make an impact, okay? I'm going to be satisfied uh, at the end of my life. And I feel like, oh, you know, I'm going to be able to say with Paul, you know, I fought the good fight. I've run the race. I've really done well. I mean, we want to come to that place. Here it is. We have to abide 
in Christ. Okay, that is, we got to be connected to Him. Okay, and I'm not talking about connected to Him just in, in the area of religion and rituals. I'm talking about relationship. Okay, I'm talking about being intimately close with Jesus. I'm talking about being connected to the name. Abide in me and I will abide in you. What happens is when we're connected in relationship, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week, throughout the day, okay, seven days a week, there's something that happens. His life begins to flow into our life. And how many know that there was no one that made a greater impact in this world than Jesus? Okay, Great character begins with being connected in relationship to Jesus Christ. Let me take you to one more scripture and then we're going to pray. Philippians chapter 2. It says, God raised him, verse 9, to the highest place. God made His name greater than every other name, so that, at, so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Amen? So Jesus is saying, okay, the Word is saying, abide in me, abide in relationship with me. Abide in me, be close to me, because he says, out of that relationship, life begins to flow into you. My life will flow into you. And so these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at, do I have the character? Because I know this, at home, you have a reputation. At home, you have a name. And it's not just mom or dad or husband and wife, son or daughter. But your name, your life is speaking something. And God wants you to be a success. In fact, in the service last week when Pastor Otis was giving us a, a word and there was something that I, that I heard. He says, God is committed. He wants us to be successful. There's no question about it. He doesn't want us to be failures. He wants us to be successful in our relationships, in our careers, in a number of different areas. But we can't be that way unless we're connected to Him. We're abiding in Him. Let's pray here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says to you and I, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. I know that we go through different seasons in our life. I feel that there's some people in here, you've been in a season, you've been very busy. And one of the things that has suffered that has kind of went by the wayside out of that busyness you kind of put Jesus on the shelf. You talk to him here once in a while but you said, you know what Lord I, I know you understand you know I'm busy and it later on uh, when I find some time Lord I, I'll make time for you. The beautiful thing is we can talk to Him at any time. We can worship Him anytime. We can give thanks to Him anytime. He's calling you back to Himself. He says, I know you're busy. I know you have demands and obligations here in your life. But He's calling you back to that relationship. To not to compromise 
Because it's in that relationship is where we find strength and we find peace and joy. It's in that relationship He begins to change us. He engraves His character into our heart. So there's some here today that, that, that it's not like you're out doing bad things. I just sense this. But you're missing your relationship with Him. And He's calling you back to Himself. And He says, don't do that. And then there's those that are here today. I sense in my spirit, because you go to church on Sundays and and, 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 you, and you pray on Sundays and you worship and you give thanks. But it's during the week. It's like he's, he's not been welcomed. He's not been invited in, in, into your daily life. And it's not an issue of time. It's just like Jesus is really a, a Sunday thing for me. And I, I really have not invited him totally into my life, Monday through Saturday, in the other aspects of my life. And Jesus is calling you to himself to surrender your life, to come to Him in relationship here this morning. Some of you are here today and I sensed as we were singing one of the songs here this this morning about the walls coming down. Some of you have erected walls between you and God. And you said, you know what? I don't want God in this area of my life. I want to do this on my own and uh, I'll let him in on this area of my life in this area, but this one area, it's just me. And God's saying, I want to be involved in every area of your life. I want you to take the wall down and invite me in here today. But if you find yourself in that place and you say, Pastor, I haven't been abiding in him. I haven't made him my priority relationship like I used to have. The fizzle, the the, the passion that I had once for my Jesus, it's gone. And I, I want to come back to Him, heart and soul. I want to love Him with everything I've got. Would you just raise your hand here today? And you say, Pastor, uh, but it, not to me, but to God here today. Say, Lord, I, I want to, Lord, have a life of impact. Lord, I want to live a life of character. But Lord, I recognize I can't do that, Lord, unless I'm abiding in you, Lord. Unless I'm connected to you, Lord, I'm remaining in you. And I want to do that today. Teach me to do that. Just raise your hand up high. Let's just pray here this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, you see hands that are lifted up here this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, for those, Lord, who are humbling themselves. Who say, I want you, Jesus. I want you to be the priority of my life. Who want to know you, Lord. I pray in Jesus. Lord, not out of obligation. Lord, not out of trying to earn brownie points. But Lord, simply out of love for you to know you. God, may we pursue you with everything that we have. Lord, your word says, better is a good name than silver and gold. God, I pray that we pursue character. Lord, over riches, wealth, fame, or popularity, God will pursue, Lord, the character of Jesus in our life. I ask this in Jesus' name.